Hi everyone. This week, our guest is Nikki Ball, Residences Welfare and Conduct Manager at King's College London. Alongside this, Nikki is also a mental health first aid instructor. It was really interesting to speak to Nikki and see how her mental health first aid training and King's College residences are improving student experience and mental health care. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate us and give us some feedback on iTunes. So I'm joined by Nikki Ball, who is Residence Welfare and Conduct Manager at King's College London. Hi Nikki, how are you? I'm good, thanks, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, to start with, can you just tell us who you are and what you do in your kind of relationship professionally to mental health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have actually recently become the Residences Welfare and Conduct Manager. And so I work in the accommodation team at King's College London. We have 13 different uh, residence halls that are geographically spaced out from right up in Stratford in London, all the way down to Denmark Hill, and to the very isolated halls. Um, and my role is essentially to look after the welfare and the conduct of all 6,000 odd students that live with us. Mm. Um, some of them are undergrad, some are postgrad, um, and it's a really, really diverse role. And so it has very strong links to mental health because one of the biggest things that we notice is students coming to halls with a disclosed mental health condition or physical health condition. So they're already on our radar, we meet with them, we have conversations with them about how we can best support them. Um, but obviously, living away from home for the first time for a lot of people, it can be a big trigger for those that potentially aren't diagnosed to start experiencing mental distress. Um, and so it's very much my team that are on the ground in the halls of residences. So each residence has two wardens who are staff or postgraduate students that are on call for students that are experiencing something, something they want to talk about, um, maybe just a shoulder to cry on sometimes. Um, it could be they've had a dispute with their flatmates or it could be right up to the really serious mental health. So it's a very um, big part of my role. Um, but another role that I have within the university, uh, which is a voluntary role, is I am a mental health first aid trainer for MHFA England. So I actually run their mental health first aid courses for staff at King's. Um, something I'm really passionate about. Um, I became accredited earlier in the year because I was seeing the mental health occurring, you know, mental ill health in our residences. And I think if you can prepare the staff on the ground with the first aid training and get the awareness up, it just helps provide that additional layer of support to students um, when they really need it most. So I suppose that's my extra link that ties in with my job and they all see very nicely hand in hand. So what kind of training does the mental health first aid training kind of involve? Yeah, um, so uh, MHFA England is the English-based charity, obviously, but it is international. Um, so they actually started in Australia. And the charity was founded by a mental health nurse um, who obviously really saw the need for this to be rolled out for everybody and not just mental health professionals. Um, so the core training is a two-day adult first aid training. Um, mental Health First Aid England do do child courses, um, higher education specific courses, which I'm actually being trained up in next month, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, it's a two-day course and it covers a really basic model that is a bit like first aid. It teaches you the steps with how to cope with someone in distress um, or right up to crisis situations that are obviously mental health uh, based. 
Um, and the course over two days covers a huge range of diagnosis. So it aims to give some background and awareness to depression, anxiety, um, psychosis-related disorders. Um, and it's not to train people to be counsellors, it's not to train people to be professional mental health experts. It's purely to raise awareness of the different types of mental ill health that are out there, to reduce the stigma so that people are getting that information. So it's hopefully breaking down those barriers and those myths that I think have built up over time. Um, and to give people some practical skills that mean that they don't shy away from situations um, that potentially need somebody to, to step in and, and provide a bit of first aid. Yeah, and you were saying that those the services offered in the King's Residence are now starting to be linked up to to other services. So say that the bottom rung is the peer support. Mm. The peer support is now starting to be linked up with counselling and, and more, um, I suppose, more serious uh, help, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the wardens that live in our residences, as I said, there's two per site, and they go through a really rigorous training before they take up the role in September. So the training is all throughout August, and one of the key things we do is obviously mental health first aid. But we get a huge amount of input from um, student contacts and appeals and the counselling service, housing and money advice, um, to all the different departments that make up student services in the central college. So I think the danger of accommodation is it's seen as separated. Um, and so therefore we have our own systems and processes, but the link with the central university hasn't always been there. So it's all about maintaining and or building and maintaining relationships with those key personnel. So that when the wardens, so you know my team that are on the ground, they come across a student that they're really concerned about, they're able to refer that into me. We can have a conversation about you know why are we worried about this student, and actually no, this person needs to see more professional, uh, seek professional guidance. So we can then have a conversation with counselling, and we can get that ball rolling for the student, and hopefully get them the advice and the support that they need a lot quicker, because I think a lot of students. Sometimes they don't know what's even going on. They're experiencing this distress and it's ongoing and it's getting worse. Nothing they're doing is potentially helping. Um, but a lot of people would really struggle to come forward and go, I need to see a professional. Um, it can be quite daunting, scary. As I said, lots of stigma around it. So I'm really hoping that our warden team can help be that friendly face that has that conversation and says, let me help you with accessing those amazing services that King's does have to help you with times that are really difficult. Yeah, so what are the kind of issues that you see with the students here? Is it quite a broad range of, of issues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you get trends. There's always trends, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's always the initial excitement, drinking too much, the anxiety that comes with potential substance misuse right at the beginning. And, and then suppose, you, like, wanting to fit in as well. Yeah, of course, and there's pressure... Um, and the you know the social anxiety I suppose of having to make new friends, having to find your way around London, having to live by yourself and cook and clean and all those things that a lot of people have never done before. Um, so we see a lot of homesickness and isolation, particularly in the beginning, because you know there is that pressure to fit in all the time and that can be exhausting and then you withdraw. Um, so we see a lot of isolation. Um, we obviously see a lot a lot of exam stress around about uh, January time and then again in the summertime. Um, and that can lead to huge problems with anxiety and panic disorders. Um, 
And then you've obviously got the, they're kind of key trends, I suppose, but then you see lots of other things where uh, students come with diagnosis already, and obviously they then become known to us. There's when people fall out in this kitchen disputes, which are probably one of the most things we see is people not getting on because their kitchen's estate. Um, you know, and that can that conflict, because it's their home, to have conflict present in your home every single day has a huge psychological impact, um, which can lead to more depression, more isolation, um, and that compacted with all of the stress of university, finances, course, you know, all that type of thing. Um, it can be really overwhelming, um, and I feel like sometimes stressful isn't always enough, you know, to describe what the students experience. Um, and it's certainly not to say that all students experience this, but I do think that it is a very unique environment um, to be studying and living and with a bunch of people you've never met before, and that comes with a huge amount of complexities. So, although we want it to be an amazing experience, we do so much around providing the best experience you have to be really aware of the welfare side of things as well yeah and if say a student was struggling what would be the first step that they could take to to kind of start getting help um, so it depends really on how proactive the student is and how willing they are to speak. Um, so naturally, as I said, the wardens is the first point of call. So there's leaflets, there's little business cards in the residence um, that has the warden telephone number on or the warden email address. Um, and the wardens host what we call team talks in the common rooms. Um, and they do those really regularly. And the idea is the student comes along and has a cup of tea and a biscuit and a bit of a chat with a friendly face. Um, so if they're not happy and they really want some advice, that's a really good place to start. Um, and all of our reception desks are manned 24 hours a day. So that's the other thing. If they are really struggling, they don't know the warden, they can go down and speak to whoever's on reception. Um, and you'd hope the reception member would then refer into the warden and the warden can, can take up with the student from there. Um, and as I said, the wardens are fantastic. I cannot praise the team enough. They are so passionate. They are so wanting to make sure the students are looked after. So there would be a nice long conversation with the warden. And it depends as well on you know how open the student is to speaking about it and have they spoken about it before, have they experienced this before, what's helped in the past, um, and sort of relying on all of that information. And then the next step really is you know, the warden can point them in the direction of the counselling team um, or into a mental health advisor. Uh, they can refer them on to their GP and help them get registered locally if uh, they haven't already. So the expectation is they should be registered, but you know what students are like, they don't always necessarily do it. So you know that's a really good place to start as well in terms of professional guidance. But then there's lots of low-level support. So we've got access to the Big White Wall, which is a website that's completely anonymous, that has lots of self-help tools available to students to help them with mental health um, and managing stress and, and all that type of thing. Um, and is that just a King's run thing? No, no that's, into, that, that's uh, across the whole of the UK. I know other universities are using it really well. Um, anybody can sign up and use it. So it's a great resource and it's something we're really supportive and, and advertise you know, in residences. Um, so we do obviously encourage those types of things as well in external services. So Mind, um, the Samaritans. So the wounds are trained up to be able to provide this all to the student and help them decide what's going to be the best avenue for them. 
Yeah, and then they go on to a more centralised university service if the lower level support isn't helping. Absolutely, and I mean, we've got lots of students that the just talking with the warden can be enough, um, and the warden will check in on them maybe once a week for a few weeks until the students stabilise, and then it might be a case of, okay, great, you seem to be doing better, give me a call if anything comes back up. And they're really happy to do that. And they've had people that they've, you know, checked in on once a month for the whole year. Um, just because it's nice to have that person that shows that they care. And if you are an isolated student, it can make all the difference to know someone's going to drop in and check on how you are. Yeah. Um, and that can be really helpful. And is, is students not registering at GPs an issue for them getting a high level of support? Or is it... That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know the answer to. Uh, yeah. We obviously, it, it's a stipulation that they, they need to register the local GP. And King's has an amazing uh, GP service that they can register at. They don't want to go local. Um, and we always make sure that that's a priority for a student that's showing mental distress because actually getting to the GP can be, you know, the quicker you can do that, the quicker you can be referred onto more specialist services. So that's a real priority. Um, and it's something that Mental Health Estate in England encourages is refer them to the GP, get them on that ladder of getting the right medical support. Yeah, because I suppose if you're not registered with the GP and then you develop these issues, mm-hmm. actually going to register with the GP, waiting to have those forms confirmed, then waiting for your appointment, and then waiting to be referred on is quite a long it can be. A long yeah. process and one that um, I think people that are suffering wouldn't necessarily be that proactive in, in, in undertaking. No, I, I completely agree. And I think that when you do start to experience ill health, and it could be physical and it could be mental, and I think that they are very much of equal importance and they do feed into each other, that... If I've got a horrible cold and I'm laid up at home and every time I move my head spins and I'm not registered with the GP, the very last thing I want to do when I've got this horrible cold is get out the front door and register with my GP because I'm not feeling well. And I think that's exactly the same that we have to view mental ill health. If someone's really struggling, are they actually going to want to take that step out their front door to go and speak to someone about it and get registered, like you said? Probably not. And it becomes, you know, ill health becomes a barrier to you being proactive. Um, so you're absolutely right, and I think that that's a very big part of it. If you're not registered from the beginning, then it can be definitely a barrier to accessing the right help. Yeah, so what kind of things are Kings and the kind of welfare team looking to implement going forward, is it? Um, it's a good question, um, and I can't really speak for the main college yeah. um, because naturally I know we're doing residences and I hate to then make it seem like we're separated because we are integral, but there's lots of really cool things that have started this year that we're hoping to push forward with. Um, so one of those is the introduction of the big white wall, um, which we're going to make sure is a big priority in residence. So having that support mechanism for students to access whilst they're waiting for appointments or waiting to get registered. Um, I think that's going to be a huge help. Um, so if a student doesn't even want to contact one of our wardens, then actually knowing there's something they can do from the comfort of their bedroom on their own can sometimes be quite comforting. Um, and as we know, students are 
tech orientated, most student has a laptop or a phone um, or some way of accessing the internet pretty much at all times. So that's going to be a really key part going forward for us, I think. Um, and we are reviewing our student risk procedure. So there is a member of staff that's in charge of students at risk and they work with us and the central universities. They're almost like a bridge. Mm. And they're in charge of, we've got a really high risk case, this person is in crisis. Um, that goes well above what we can manage in terms of residences team and the wardens. So that person needs to be looked after by a professional. So our student risk manager is a professional who then will support that student with getting immediate help. Um, and they're actually getting a new team. So going forward in September, that person's gonna work between us and Central College, which I think will improve communication tenfold, I really do. Um, and I think it's as well, what I would really love to see is, it is difficult with new GDPR guidelines, but it is having those conversations and making sure that people are trained. And as I said, they understand this person's actually needing help and needs someone to reach out. Um, and having staff that aren't afraid to do that. So as part of being a mental health first aid trainer, I am training the whole of the residency team, not just the wardens, um, in mental health first aid, so that they can be a bit more proactive with recognising the warning signs and getting students on the on path to getting the right help. Does that include the students themselves as well? Students are uh, can take the course. Admittedly, I run it for staff, um, but I know that the counselling team, a couple of the members up there, are auto trainers, and they hold ones for students as well. Um, and I would love to see more run for students because actually your flatmate is probably going to be the person that's going to see those day-to-day -day changes in a student. A warden dropping in once a week will obviously pick it up, but nowhere near as, as quickly as flatmates. And I think that that could be a fantastic tool moving forward. It's just getting enough trainers yeah. to, to see And I suppose if a student's doing it, it's that one step less formal than a, than a warden doing it, yeah, which absolutely. might help. Absolutely, and the skills are really, you know, a lot of skills of mental health first aid are about listening and communicating and having that empathy and understanding, and I think loads of people have that there already, it's just tapping into that and helping people utilise it, and as well encouraging people not to be afraid and not to approach someone if they are upset or distressed, and giving people that confidence to know what to say. Yeah, and doing the course is not, I suppose from a selfish point of view, it won't just allow you to help other students, you're going to learn those skills as well, which are undoubtedly going to be valuable in a, any career you go into, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, doing the course for me, so I did the course as a trainee first, and I found it so inspiring. I left with this whole new perspective, which is exactly why I wanted to go in and become a trainer. But it does, it's that self-management, and they always say you can't you can't feed someone from an empty cup. You, know, you, you have to be taking care of yourself before you look after others. Um, and I used to be the world's biggest stress head. And I had, you know, the slightest thing would get on top of me and I'd cope with stress really badly. Um, and I think doing the course over the last year or so has been the biggest teacher for me in terms of I feel like a different person now in the way that I look at things, in the way that I deal with things. And I honestly think that it's got me to be in this job that I love and I'm passionate about because a year ago, two years ago, I could never have done it. I'd be too stressed out, I'd be too worried about everybody all the time. Um, whereas now I can manage it and I truly think it's from the skills that I learned during the course. Yeah, and you're 
probably doing a better job because of it as well. Exactly. Um, so, it's, yeah, so something we ask kind of relates back to that. Something mm-hmm. we ask everyone towards the end is what their top advice would be to someone, not necessarily with the diagnosed mental health issue, but just to feel, just to safeguard your mental health. You mean tips yeah. or advice? I mean, I think it's so unique to everyone has their own strategies, their own coping. I think the biggest thing that I would say is, is be kind to yourself. And it's something that I still really struggle with. It's very easy to say, I didn't do that very well. Or, oh my God, I, you know, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Or I didn't get that done in time. Or I haven't eaten great today. Or I didn't get enough sleep last night. It can be so easy to focus in on all the things that we're not doing. Um, not managing stress well, we're not eating well enough and I think that it's really important to actually take a step back and say I'm doing the best that I can Um, and being kind to yourself is a really good start and saying I'm not feeling great mentally but that's completely fine and I shouldn't beat myself up about that. The same way you catch a cold in the winter, you know, your brain goes through all different types of things, you know, throughout your lifetime and I think people accepting that and being kind to themselves is really key yeah and giving yourself credit for when you've done something good or got through a bad mm. day because then you can reflect on it and see what you did well and Absolutely. you're going to um, learn for the next one and I think that the more you recognise the good things the bad things do start to fade away but it is hard it is really difficult to teach yourself that positive self talk and to recognise good things because naturally you always see the bad um, I do it all the time and I have to remind myself at the end of every day well actually you, know, you did this really well you did this really well and it does eventually it will start to you'll see a slight change in your perspective yeah I think I've read somewhere that humans are naturally have something called a negativity bias mm-hmm. um, I'm not I'm no expert on it but it's where you look for the negative stuff in things so actually training yourself to look at the positives and stuff mm-hmm. it does it actually does take training. It's not just oh, gonna yeah. gonna happen overnight. It's a brain trick. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And I think the other thing that we do, particularly in modern day, is we want everything now. We want everything as a quick fix. You want to lose weight in two days instead of two years, and you want everything now. And I think that people think they've had a bad day, so okay, I'm gonna say three positive things at the end of my bad day, but I don't feel any different. And I think people need to realise that it is an ongoing thing. You do need to train yourself. You need to be consistent and be doing this every single day. Being kind to yourself, recognising your positives. And it's a long process. I would say over the last year, I'm still not really there every day, but you, you get better and it becomes easier. Um, and, you know, it's all part of the journey rather than like a overnight destination. Yeah. So where can we find more about what you're doing and what, what Kings are doing generally? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. that's a really good question. <laughs> in terms of, um, like, the wardens and the accommodation, uh, we obviously have our King's website. Um, we're based at Great Dover Street, so I'm always really encouraging if people to come in and drop by and, and talk to us. Um, and we have our Facebook pages as well, um, which are great tools for, you know, who's the warden, what's going on in residences, what events are coming up, um, when's the next team talk. Um, so all those things are on our website, and I know there's a King's blog, don't know what the address is, <laughs> but I can find out. Um, and you know, if there's anything like specific questions, people people can email in. Um, we're really happy to, to always take questions and to, to do as much as we can to help people get an idea of what support is here and what we can do to help. Brilliant, Nikki. That was absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay, 
Hi guys, just a quick reminder that we aren't trained psychologists or psychiatrists or therapists and if you're having your own problems, don't hesitate to go and see your GP or use the services of charities like Mind or Calm or anything like that. Cheers.